Relevant content for our members by our members. This is TMC Connect. All right. Happy Tuesday afternoon, everyone. Rich Swerbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative here once again with the last week in mortgage today, our weekly whirlwind through all the latest news, uh, get a glimpse inside the current business climate uh, from the mortgage industry. And each week, I am pleased to be joined by one of our lender members as my co-host back in the co-pilot seat for probably the fifth or sixth time. I don't think anybody's co-hosted more than you, Jody. It's the president of Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, Jody Hall. Jody, good to see you. Hi, Rich. Thank you for having me. And I think that you, it's, maybe you shouldn't have me on here because I feel like the week leading up to me co-hosting with you is like the most dramatic week that has happened in a long time. And I, I hope that this is the height of the disruption, or I'm not, I can't come back. I can't come back to the show and be a co-host. <laughs> well, we're going to keep having you back, even if tumultuous <laughs> events uh, seem to follow your co-hosting slots, but you're right. I mean, I remember like a couple of the big pandemic related um, things that just happened with the mortgage industry. You were, you were in the co-host slot and uh, this week, the day before you come on, we get the the biggest negative market movement on rates in 10, 11 years. So, but, uh, all right, well, let's go ahead ahead and get after it. Let's start with the elephant in the room, right? The number one topic for all mortgage funders right now is this rate climate, Um, you know, put even more in the spotlight this week because of a couple of things. So one, we already mentioned a huge run up in rates, uh, mortgage rates uh, off the heels of Friday's inflation number, which was after a couple inflation numbers that were in line or even maybe a little bit more tepid than what the economists thought, this one was a little hotter, um, having the predicted reaction. Then you got, of course, the Fed is meeting as we speak right now. They make their policy statement tomorrow, Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern and, and really fueling just a sell-off in mortgage bonds and an increase in mortgage rates. Yesterday was a piece in the Wall Street Journal that it, in all likelihood, the Fed leaked, um, you know, basically saying that uh, the Fed is now considering a 75 basis point hike, which nobody had really been talking about. I think the projections were 50 in June, 50 in July. But now it seems that seems to, to reason after the Friday inflation number that we could be looking at 75 basis points tomorrow and another 75 in July. Right. I think that it's interesting because the we have talked before about emotional responses to what's going on in the industry. And I was thinking about this um, over the weekend because, you know, we have seen this time. The last we saw it was probably the worst was 2008. Um, and even then, social media wasn't a thing. Um, you know, so I think like it's all of these cycles are sped up from communication. But I think the biggest point with the, with the, no one has confidence that the Fed is going to be able to get inflation under control. They admitted to um, having mistakes and not uh, raising the rates last year. Um, and maybe we wouldn't be in like the double whammy situation with the war in Ukraine and um, not be not dealing with inflation uh, soon enough, but you know it's it was 2008 was the last time that the bids stopped on mortgage backed securities, and 
it stopped in the subprime market earlier than that, but for across the board, stopping on the bid of mortgage-backed securities last happened in 2008. And I don't know if you all remember, um, but uh, Bernanke ramped up the purchase of mortgage-backed securities. And is it a coincidence that the feds this year said that they were going to taper off and allow the, the more MBSs to be able to sell off and potentially in threatening, um, you know, to sell off. So, you know, it's like, is that a coincidence? I just think that the market in general is there. We're not confident that um, we will get out of these inflationary uh, inflationary areas soon enough. Um, and it's not shocking that the Fed leaked a 70, 75 basis points increase. I mean, that it just is, it, it, it almost uh, seems par for the course that it's, it seems like a comedy of errors, um, lack of being proactive in the market and uh, thinking ahead. It's like, pull this lever, see if this works. Oh, that's not working. So let's pull the lever further. Oh, wait, let's push the lever back. Like, um, so it, it it feels like they're trying to find their way. But I also think that that's compounded by our accessibility to information in real time. Absolutely. <clears throat> Many astute points. Uh, one being uh, the Fed may be running an old playbook against a new, a new problem. And uh, yeah, and and the market's really complete lack of confidence in this point at the Fed. All you got to do is take a look at the stock market, the bond market. Uh, It is just screaming that anybody that is investing money anywhere is is doing so or not doing so in a way that they just feel like that the Fed does not have inflation under control. And to your latter point, why would they not feel that way? Uh, You know, from the inflation is transitory, really up until... It, it reminded me like how like with the, the more global pandemic where I'll never forget, like on Friday, March 12th of 2020, like, you know, I was the flu was worse. And and then Friday, March 13th, it was like, all right, we're shutting the world down. And right. the Fed with inflation, they were like literally still screaming transitory until really the day before they said, oh, you know what? We misjudged this. Uh, right. And now almost certainly leaking to the Wall Street Journal the day before their policy meeting starts, a change in their policy. Man, what's better to do? You know, this Fed has really gone out of their way to telegraph things to the market, like almost to a fault. And now they're adopting their policy so haphazardly and reactionary that their mode of doing that is now leaking stories the day before their meeting starts. Right. And we talk about, you know, the investors lack of confidence. They should, you know, they should have been all of of investors of mortgage backed securities should be had been more on point and had known to not have confidence. So you so it would play out in a shorter period of time instead of all of a sudden. What we're starting to see is that's leaking over to the home buyer confidence, right? We saw mortgage applications were down six and a half percent last week over uh, the previous week. And I believe, you know, last year we talked about historically high assets, right? Home buyers had more assets than they ever had before because they had been sitting at home doing absolutely nothing. And now it's like, even if they do have a nest egg, 
you want to sit on that nest egg because you don't know if, you know, with gas prices being, uh, it seems like gas prices are almost keeping up with mortgage interest rates, right? So we've doubled interest rates from January till now have essentially doubled. Um, we've seen almost the same thing with gas, gas prices, but when borrowers see that it's costing 10% more at the grocery store, it's, you know, uh, it gas is over $5 across the United States on average. And people are really starting to have that doom and gloom emotional reaction. Like, I don't, I don't want to buy a home. Um, and I think that, you know, we're, we're seeing that now, hopefully that we can, Hopefully our cycle out of it is as fast to our, as our cycle into it um, so that there will be a positive end. And I think we saw that a little bit. You sent over an article uh, about the, the fall market and the positive news of the fall market. Yeah. <clears throat> Realtor.com revised their 2022 projections. And, you know, essentially what they're saying in these revised projections is buckle up for a slow summer because all the reasons you mentioned, tired home buyers, right? News is delivered to human beings so much different than the way it was when we were younger, right? If you wanted the news, you would walk into the driveway and, and grab the newspaper and consume it. If you didn't want it, you didn't get it. But now everybody's doing a much better job feeding us the news if we want it or we don't in very sly way. So <laughs> you're tired home buyers, right? Rates are up. You hear it everywhere. Rates are the highest they've been and blah, 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 blah. Home values up 30% last two years. And you know, people are just like, I'm ready to stop uh, looking at homes for a little bit because uh, I'm a little tired. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I definitely think um, that, you know, people are at a place that if I can afford the position that I'm in related to housing, and keep food on the table and pay for gas to go to work. I'm going to hold tight. I'm going to reduce spending. I'm going to increase cash flow, and we'll see how long how long that uh, sustains. But um, there's a number of reasons about why home buyers are going to be on the market. Uh, there aren't rent caps in a lot of markets, and people are you know getting the phone call from their landlords to, if they want to renew their lease and keep their family in their home, that's a $1,500 increase. So, you know, it is, I, I think that people are are willing to hold tight and see what happens and, and do nothing. So I think that that's what's going to cause the slowdown over the summer. And hopefully as home values stabilize and there are less than 25 bids on every single property that that pops up on the market, Hopefully that'll that'll bring some more home buyers back to the market that we have experienced, you know, prior to today. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it could be a big fall. And that's kind of what Realtor.com is projecting in their last, especially if rates were to come back down to say four, four and a half percent. I think that um, it's crazy that I'm saying that here on June 14th. If, if man, rates could only come back down to four and a half percent. I uh, still a little surreal, but uh, that's the market we're in right now. Um, but uh, yeah, almost like a shaking out of the housing market right now, you know, like rates and values got to the point where, you know, essentially buyers are like, you know, hey, no mass in, in theory should cause uh, values to stabilize a little bit more homes to be available on the market, a better home buying opportunity yeah. for people as we get into as we get into the fall months so but you're right like the the <clears throat> the cascading impact of inflation i mean like it hit yesterday after work i 
I went and got gas and got Chick-fil-A for six people. Gas was a hundred bucks. Chick-fil-A was like a hundred and two dollars. I'm like, man, I went to go get gas and fast food, <laughs> and it cost two hundred and two dollars. Like, it really set in. So, <laughs> right, it is. I, you know, it, it's crazy. Um, so, one of the topics we wanted to to talk about was um, the decrease in demand in Nassau County and West Palm Beach, Florida. And this this will relay into I so I, I did some math. So Rich's comment was that luxury home sales in the US to plunge the most since the start of the pandemic. And in Nassau County, New York, um, where close to the headquarters of nationwide mortgage bankers had the biggest decline uh, while high-end home sales in West Palm Beach, Florida tumbled nearly 33%. So I did a little bit of research and in Nassau County, home values have continued to rise and the home sales are starting to decline. The median home sale price in Nassau County is $647. So if you put 20% down, your PITI payment at 6% is $3,103. Taxes are approximately 2.1%. There's $14,000 a year in taxes, $1,150 a month, $1,100 a month in insurance, and your payment is $53.53. The median home um, household income is $120,000. You take $120,000, you take out 30% for all of the taxes and deductions, and people are are looking at having, I have a number here for you. I did the math and it was something like $1,700 left a month to pay for gas, to put food on the table, to do whatever. It isn't, there's not a lot left there. Um, so there, there's some pain. And then the luxury homes, uh, you know, the fall off of West Palm, New York. And so it was, I'm trying to think of the two, uh, there were two states that a large percentage of people relocated to Florida, New York being one of them during the pandemic. Um, And if you look at that, there is a whole, there is a, um, there is a decrease in what the property values are, but why not move to Florida? Um, even when home values were surging, why not? Because their medium home price is three hundred and seventy-five thousand. So if they can work remotely, continue to make one hundred and twenty thousand dollar household income, why wouldn't you live someplace else in uh, the United States? Whether that's you know West Palm Beach County or if it is in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, so it's was some interesting numbers when putting it together. Um, but Rich, don't worry. Um, while I was doing my research, I found that your second home is still on the market for $29.5 million. <laughs> oh, only 12,500 association uh, dues uh, dues per month. And it's a condo. It's a condo. Are you kidding me? Like I have to live with people on each side of my walls and for $29.5 million. <laughs> 30 mil should buy, uh, you know, at least some space. uh, (laughs) You should get a yard with that. This is the last week in mortgage today. I'm Rich Swarbinski with the Mortgage Collaborative. This week, joined by the president of Nationwide Mortgage Bankers, Jody Hall. Jody, you mentioned luxury home sales 
plummeting, uh, biggest plummet in luxury home sales um, since the start of the pandemic. And I think one of the narratives, even through this tough market to start this year, has been the high end in America is still doing well. Um, you know, homes that are coming in the market are largely higher priced homes and they're still getting gobbled up immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and kind of like we saw geographically areas like Idaho and some of these other areas of America that just Phoenix that just shot up that you're starting to see some regression before the broader macro numbers indicate it. I think this is kind of like one of those things, right? Like the fact that even luxury home sales are really falling, you know, probably, uh, you know, lends, lends itself to, to say that what we were kind of talking about before, this could be like the summer slowdown that sets up for a little correction for everything going on in housing and rates and values that could set us up for a healthier path forward. Yeah. And I think too, you know, it's uh, people are scared. It doesn't matter, you know, if you have high net worth and can afford luxury second homes. Um, people are it's stay put and try to build up your build up your cash and sit on it to wait and see what's going to happen. So I think that we will continue to see that in the housing market where. No one wants to put money in. Um, then when and then hopefully when home values you know start to to decline, then everybody will be positioned to have a very healthy buying market. Because people have memories of 0708. I mean, you remember this industry even before the pandemic, three four years ago, there was still with some young people. I think it's eroded over time, obviously a little bit, but from some young people as recently as a few years ago, a negative stigma about buying a house, maybe because of something their parents were involved in, 07, 08, the meltdown and everything that went along with that. I, I remember, you know, being at, you know, youth sports events in 2012, 13, like, what do you do for a living or cocktail, you know, like not being embarrassed to say I was in the mortgage industry, but, you know, there was people that felt, oh, the mortgage industry, you know, like that kind of went away yeah. um, and lessened. And then you got into the pandemic. And I think one of the good things about the pandemic is it like emboldened the value of the home in America. Yeah, yeah for sure. The importance of your home, your dwelling. Um, and, um, you know, so, but, you know, so, but it wasn't that long ago where, so I think that, you know, there's some, I feel like there's some of that in there too, right now, like as far as this fatigue from potential home buyers right now, you don't want to be caught on the wrong end of a hot market. Like remember 0708, I remember, you know, I was working for a bank and we were doing a lot of construction business and luckily we didn't get caught up in this a lot, but people were just walking away from half built homes. Yeah, They were, <laughs> they were like building a house for like $600,000 down in Florida and, yeah. you know, the meltdown happened like, okay, now your home, you're building, it's worth 400. They're like, uh, I'm just, I'm taking a bus to like, uh, yeah. uh Wyoming. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Go to the I, wing section. Yeah. I think that the thing that is, I think the thing that is different, um, in that, so I think people learned that lesson, right? Like, oh my goodness. Like I looked at a, um, at a second home in Kiowa Island, just like it was probably in eight, 18. So same point. And I was like, I was looking at that same place. So it was like a condo that was on the ocean that was right by all the Kiowa golf courses. And it was for the unit that I stayed in was for sale for like 265,000. 
I looked that same one bedroom up just to see what was going on in the market. And it was 600 and, and some thousand. So I think that, you know, right now people are scared. People aren't going to put cash out. But I think that that also, again, because we live in a world of, of immediate information, I think that 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 cycle will go away faster than it, it did prior to social media and instant information. Yeah, and a lot different about this cycle, as you noted. I mean, it, it the, the performance of mortgage loans is impeccable right now. And there's, there is so much demand that I, I do believe the pandemics had some impact on that, that um, even with the crazy run up in house prices, I don't, you know, I expect a leveling off, of course, it, it, it's long overdue, probably, but I, I don't feel like we're going to have like, I just, feel, there is so much demand to buy housing. And the other part of it is, right, you got to live somewhere. Rents are up just as much as mortgage rates. And, you know, you're not building wealth with renting. You're not, you know, some people have to parts of their life, you know, but um, so you got to live somewhere. So I I do feel like we're going to come out of this, come out of this strong, but it it does feel like there's a little fatigue factor going on right now. Yeah, for sure. So do we want to talk about the Equifax scoring real quick? Cause I know how's it impacted you. Has that impacted you at all? And uh, talk to me about it. I think that the impact came largely from the unknown. It took until, so this was, this happened like in a period of time, what was it like March 17th through April uh, the 6th. And then the announcement comes out and a couple of weeks later, we still don't have like, it impacted 12% of scores, um, but we didn't have any information. So then on the 27th of May, they released the information to the credit providers. And in the meantime, we were like reaching out to the agencies like, hey, what what do you want us to do? And we were getting canned responses like it's your responsibility to make sure that you qualify the borrower. So it was that independent mortgage banking feel. You feel like you're making decisions on an island with uh, the least amount of information possible. So we um, did and we did get um, the data from our providers at the end of last uh, week. Um, And it wasn't as bad as anticipated. Oh, good. Yeah, so we had about um, I don't know how many I don't know how many credit pulls we had in that time, but we had about I want to say around eighty-five to ninety impacted scores. The good news was a large percentage of them increased, so it wasn't it wasn't half increased. Um, but you wipe those all out. I'm like, we're not repulling credit because if the other two scores go down and we lose a decision or, or more importantly, you lose a lock in this market, you're screwed. Um, but for those that those that did where the um, where the where the Equifax score did go down, um, we started analyzing each one of them. And in many cases, it was either not that borrower score that was the middle score that we were using to qualify, um, or it wasn't, or even if it was our borrower, it was like Equifax was the highest score that came down to a percentage where we were still using the TransUnion or still using the experience score to qualify. I think we ended up and we I need to finish this analysis today and get it out to everyone. I think we have about six loans that were impacted, but they're very early on in um the in in the stages. I don't even think that the loans are locked yet. 
Um, so I feel like it was, it was less detrimental than I had anticipating, had anticipated. I was really worried about, you know, having loans that were locked that we were just getting trashed on and, you know, it, um, but it, it was, it was much better than had anticipated. And, we didn't really receive guidance from the credit providers or from the agencies. It was just kind of shooting from the hip. That's what we decided to do. Feel like it gives us the least amount of risk. Um, to and you know, of course, loan officers want you to repull on those where the score went up because they think they might get a better price, and it's like, but uh, that's dangerous. <laughs> well, that's that's great to hear. Not surprising the due diligence you've done on your end, and great to hear that the impact has not been what you thought. I thought this story would be a lot bigger news. I remember it coming out right before I think the show I did with Rob two Fridays ago, and you start to think about like tw- up to twelve percent of borrowers the wrong credit scores for like nearly a month, like the potential yeah. impact of that, and borrowers paying more fees than they should have. And but uh, to your point, maybe you know some of the FICO scores were. We're yeah. too too low, you know, uh, yeah. and yeah. they're actually better. And in other cases, maybe the Equifax score was not yeah. the one that was the needle mover. So yeah. I'm glad that we didn't have like hundreds of thousands of scores uh, impacted. But and, you know, it's like we were we were exchanging emails leading up to this and we were talking about like mortgage news has a life cycle, just like all other news has a life cycle. And it's that the Equifax issue got buried by 6%, approaching 6% interest rates and the Fed's uh, um, increasing. So I think that in, uh, you know, the market, you know, people are more worried about um, losing half of their net worth uh, because of the stock market, rising interest rates, uh, inflation, gas prices, the Equifax, it was good timing for them. in the mortgage uh, news cycle for for what they had. I remember now, they released it. It was the Friday before Memorial Day weekend at 4 p.m. Eastern. You talk about- No one cares. Like everybody's like, let's drink beer and have fun all weekend. Like Um, literally, if you you go to a marketing person, like, listen, we got some horrible news, just just some horrible news we've got to put out there publicly. When would you want to do it? The Friday before Memorial Day weekend, uh, probably in the top five of, of all the times of the year, so- So I told Rich and everyone, like, I always aim to try to have a positive on what is going on, no matter what it is. So for those of you who are uh, connected to me on LinkedIn, I sent out a message. um, I reshared Rich's post about what we were speaking about, and I asked for positive comments. And guess what? None. So we're trying to figure out if my connection, like if if I just like suck at social media and my connections or if my connections suck. So if you're one of my connections, you should have commented because I'm calling you out right now. So I had to put my own positives together. Um, And my positives are it isn't the 80s and we aren't at 13 percent interest rates. It isn't 2007 and the bubble hasn't burst. And it doesn't look like it's going to, at least in a very large percentage of markets. Underwriting turn times at are at historic low turn times. So get your loans in, get them underwritten. And Cleveland baseball is back in the playoff hunt. So the Guardians, we've won like what, like 10 of 12. I love it. I, so. I'm still calling it the Cleveland baseball team. <laughs> the Cleveland baseball <laughs> team, the tribe, the Indians, whatever you want to call them. Yeah, they are playing well. But great dose of positivity. 
Uh, very true. Uh, and you always do bring a ray of light to, you know, what has not always been the rosiest uh, you know, a set of topics to discuss uh, with our industry, especially here in 2022. So, uh, but yeah, a lot of good points. And I, I, as we've discussed all show and really for the all year, it, it's a healthy climate for uh, purchase purchases of homes just going forward. As you mentioned, yeah. some historical perspective on where rates are at right now. There's a lot of demand to buy houses and, uh, people are working on it. It's just people value the home more. And I, I really feel that's going to be a positive for our industry for right. a, a lot of years to come. Like, uh, right. so. the, the, if, unless you're an old school loan officer who has been through this, it's going to, it's going to clear the path for the tenured loan officers, because if you got into the business in 2020 and you think that 2020 and 2021 is the norm, you're not going to make it. So I think that I think that we will see, you know, an overall stronger uh, mortgage lending uh, industry moving forward. And that's, you know, that's what realtors are talking about, too. Like, hey, the old school realtors have been through this and maybe there's too many realtors in the market that and, you know, they'll have to they'll have to pivot to other things. So I think it's a good thing. It, it's a good thing. It has to happen. They say you have to prune the tree to get it to grow. So that's what's happening in the industry. Agree completely. And uh, Jody, as always, really enjoy talking about the industry with you. Uh, enjoy having you on as the co-host, evidenced by your your multiple appearances here. So thank you very much, as always, for, for joining me. Thank you for having me. And thank you uh, for the TMC team and family for always being extremely supportive of what we do. Likewise, and to all of our viewers, listeners, thank you very much for taking 30 minutes out of your week with us. For our podcast listeners, join us live. Our biggest audience is the podcast audience. We do do this program live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern. Go to mortgagecollaborative.com and our event calendar. You can register uh, and you can find all of these episodes archived on our YouTube page as well. So until next Tuesday, have a great rest of the week, everyone. And Jody, thanks again. You're welcome. Thank you all. Have a great week. Have a great week, everyone. Take care. Bye, Jody. For more information about how you can get involved with TMC Connect and witness the power of the network firsthand, please visit us at mortgagecollaborative.com.